to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM, featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Hey, you just got Daryl rolling a solo. And tonight, in commemoration with Black History Month, we have a living legend, a black history living legend. And I'm talking about we have an NBA referee for 28 years in the NBA. Referee one, over uh, 1,969 games in the, in the NBA, 35 regular season games. And I'm talking about Hugh Evans. And not only is Hugh a former NBA referee for 28 years in the NBA, Hugh is also a nominee for this year's 2018 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. So, and it's only, uh, you know, Jason Kidd is in that class. Um... Uh, it's a few guys that are in that class, but but hey, our our guy tonight, I'm telling you, our guest tonight, Hugh Evans, is one of those people that's going to be inducted into the um, basketball. No, well, he's a nominee, so he's nominated. They've already find, put it down to the finalists for this um, for the for the basketball Hall of Fame, and Hugh is on the list. Hey. One of the biggest people we've ever had on our show. And he's coming up later on in the show tonight. But, um, you know, it's been a lot of things going on in the world of sports this week. Um, LeBron James was in the sports this week with a little bit of politics. And, hey, you know, when when Laura Ingram from another network, that we only like to talk about too tough on this show, um, says that LeBron needs to, he, he really needs to, Dribble and be quiet. You know, I think that was pretty harsh. That was a pretty harsh statement by her to say something like that about the king. You know, LeBron James has done nothing but been an ambassador for sports of all sports, as far as I'm concerned. You know, the man is. You never hear him say anything wrong. You know, you never hear hear about him get, being in trouble. If anything, LeBron James is that guy that's trying to promote goodwill in all communities. And I think you know he Laura, Laura may have offended a few people by saying what she said. And LeBron James came back and said, "Hey, he is an ambassador for for." For 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 youth, he's a, a spokesperson for youth. He's a spokesperson for for blacks. He's a spokesperson for a lot of people. So I think we really have to applaud LeBron James for not stepping down and taking the high road. You know, he could have easily came out and went went off on um went off on on a tirade of some sort. But that's not um, the way LeBron James handles handles the um. The situation, and I, and I applaud him for that uh, because we've seen some athletes take it in another direction, you know. And and the, and the guys that are going to be um, 
that a final finalist in the nominees for the 2018 NBA Hall of Fame class is uh, Steve Nash and Jason Kidd. Both of them are, are um, on the list. Rudy Tomjanovich, he's on the list. Um, um, Tina Thompson, she's on that list. And our man Hugh Evans, longtime NBA referee Hugh Evans, is uh, coming up on the show a little bit later on. And he is on that list for nomination, nominations for the, um, the NBA Hall of Fame. But what a game yesterday. You know, a lot of people were complaining in the ba- in the past about um, the NBA not necessarily having a real game, um, and we can definitely attest that the NFL um, Pro Bowl game is definitely not a real game. But we we we've used to seeing the NBA almost crack two hundred points per per team in a um, uh, <clears throat> in a um, game like that, but. This year's game, I tell you, this year's NBA All-Star game was a little bit different. Um, There's Team Steph Curry and Team LeBron. And these guys actually selected teams, and they're not necessarily from the East or the West. Uh, LeBron James had a chance to play with with one of his his former teammates, Kyrie Irving, in the All-Star game. I thought that was kind of cool. But both of them are playing in the East. But with LeBron's team was um, Kevin Durant. And I thought that was kind of interesting to see those two guys playing on the same team, but playing in di- what being in different conferences. I thought that was very interesting. And to see LeBron, um, to know, to, bo- to see both these teams from the East and the West, Team Steph Curry and Team LeBron, to see these teams play as hard as they did in the fourth quarter um, yesterday, I thought was 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 quite amazing because these guys get paid a whole bunch of money, and to think that they would risk anything in a in a meaningless game is is kind of crazy. But um, to see them play as hard as they did yesterday in the fourth quarter, it was very entertaining. Hey guys, we have Hugh Evans on the phone. Mr. Evans, how's it going? Mr. Evans, we have you with us. I'm on. Hey, how's it going, Mr. Evans? It's doing great. It's doing great. Hey, it's so, uh, man, I'm so happy to have you on our show again. Thanks again Thanks for, for inviting being part again. of the show. Hey, hey, um, thank you, Mr. Evans. I tell you, hey, you know, I was looking at your at your resume. I've checked you out a couple of times, and I think about all the time. What are some of the questions I want to ask, Mr. Evans? And I know. You know, one of the questions I want to ask Mr. Evans, when we talk about basketball, when I talk about basketball with my friends, we talk about the greatest player to ever play, I always refer back to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, you know, you being a referee in the NBA for 28 years um, and co- and refereed all the way up until 2001, who would you say was your favorite or the best basketball player of all times in your opinion? Well, I, I, I had a, I give you a best in my time during my time, my 28 years, I thought was Michael Jordan. Now during that same period of time, probably had Larry Bird not gotten injured, he would be in the same conversation. Maybe not number one, but certainly a, a close second. 
uh, because both could play. Both played every night, took no nights off. Both could play defense, even though Bird, Bird didn't likely play defense, but he did. Uh, but just both were great players. But I would give the nod to Michael Jordan. Wow. In my opinion, hey, that's my opinion now. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and I always, I always refer back to Kareem because, you know, he's still the leading scorer in the history of the game. And the, high, and the sky hook was just such an un, impossible shot to stop. And to see him use that, that shot in such clutch moments in the NBA, watching him play in the 70s, it was just, it was amazing to see Kareem play. And, uh, and I still put him at the top of my list. And, and okay. by no means can I take anything away from Michael Jordan because, I mean, you know, he still, in everybody's eyes, Kids that never saw him play think he's the greatest player to ever play. And Mr. Evans. Yes. So, um, you know, I was reading your um, your resume a little bit, and I saw that, um, you know, the 28 years in the NBA is a, is a very long time. But 35 finals in the NBA – you know, when we when I look at you know the finals now, you know, were were you ever in any of those um the uh, say the the Magic and the um, Celtics bird? Oh yes, I was. I was. Yes, quite quite a yeah. few. Yes, uh, matter of fact, I was in the famous one that 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 uh, that the Boston Garden had no air conditioning when when some of the players couldn't um, uh, ex- got exhausted, and so did the referee, and I was the referee. <laughs> and I got exhausted and because it was so hot in there. And it was in, in June, and it was very hot, no air conditioning, and it was just unbelievable, you know. But uh, I, to answer your question, yes, I had, did, I had quite a few of those. Yeah. And, and um, Mr. Evans, when, um, when, when, do you think back then um, the garden, did they, did they keep it hot like that on purpose, or was uh, that? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's just, I think that particular year, the sounds went a little longer, and they had no air conditioning. And uh, that, you know, I, I, I don't think so. I really don't. I yeah. heard that story before, but I, I, I don't think so. Okay. Hey, we got a call on the line, uh, Mr. Evans. Okay. Hey, uh, Stevie, we got Hugh Evans on our on our on our line tonight. Mr. Evans is uh, 28 years in the NBA as a referee, uh, 1,969 regular season games, and 35 NBA final games. How's it going, Stevie? It's going great, man. It's going great. I missed uh, the opening of the show tonight, but I knew um, through the breakdown that you had Mr. Evans on there that I just had to get my question in. <laughs> sure. Go for it. You know, we're talking to a, li- a living legend right now, too. You know, Mr. Oh, yeah, Evans is, oh, yeah, is yeah. about to be, a, you know, we're all praying that he's inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. He's, nope. he's, um, he's a candidate for the 2018 uh, Naismith um, Basketball Hall of Fame. No doubt. I hope he get in. I hope he gets in because anybody who can put up with those NBA players, prima donnas like he did for so many years, deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And it's for that that high, high, high level. <laughs> hey, uh, my question though is: uh, out of his years, who was the most prima donna player he ever uh, ref? The most prima donna. Player that gave him the, the worst problems because they was a prima donna. As a player, yes. Uh, that's a tough question, Bill. That's quite a few. All of them almost prima donnas. 
But I, I would I would have to say uh, uh, um, um, uh, not Michael Jordan, but uh, Dennis Rodman. I'm sorry, Dennis, Dennis Rodman probably gave me more problems than anyone else uh, because he was wide, so that he just just he played so hard every night, and he mm-hmm. just thought everything he did was right, and everything the referees did was wrong. So I, I would have to say Dennis Rodman, but. He played so hard that, you know, you, you kind of, you know, overlook, you know, sometimes, and sometimes you didn't. Sometimes you had to put him in line, and sometimes you, you let him, you know, feed him a little rope and let him hang himself, you know. But it definitely was Dennis. Definitely Dennis. <laughs> well, that's kind of like, I, I believe that totally. I believe that. I remember when he was playing the, playing the sport. Let me ask you this he could play, though. Out of yeah, all he, your he, years, out of all your years of wrestling, who was that? Well, what do you think? Now, I'm, I'm going to make you, you go back now. If, okay. if you could change one call that you ever made, ever made that you thought that you made a, a bad call, would you tell us? Uh, I got about 15. Did you have time to listen to all of them? <laughs> <laughs> see, 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 you know, referees are not perfect. And, and if I sat here on this show and tell you during my 28 years I didn't make bad calls, I would not be telling the truth. So to go back to go back and say which one I did uh, was affected a game or outcome of a game. Uh, I think anytime you make a bad call, it affects the outcome of a game, whether it's the first quarter or the fourth quarter. So I, have, you know, I'm guilty of having bad calls. You know, as I said earlier, the referees aren't perfect, and we make mistakes and we make bad calls. And the thing you have to do is admit that you make a bad call. You know that. Uh, uh, that you know, that's that's over the course of a year, you know, uh, twenty eight years. That was a few, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I can I can definitely under, understand that that call. Uh, in terms of, of your years, I know in the beginning, you know, you started started uh, wrestling way back in the day, and you you know you went all the way to the modern era of basketball. Now, in terms of the, the physicality of the game on the pro level. What do you think the, the major difference is between then and now? All, all, when I use the word all, all players are better shooters. All players are better shooters. And the game is, has opened up as a result that when you have a you know, seven-footer can go and shoot three-pointers, then you, you know, the game has changed. So all, all show, to, in order to play in the NBA today, you have to be able to shoot. Back then, uh-huh. when I, I guess when I broke in in the 70s, they had specialists, you know, you were a defense specialist, you know, uh, if you was a ball hound specialist, you know, you were good, you was okay, you kept your job. But now, and in my opinion, that if you, today, if you can't shoot, you can't play in the NBA. And that's all players, you know, you have to be able to shoot. Mm-hmm. Out of all your years in the NBA, is there, is there one play that really stands out in your mind where you saw a guy do something and you just say, Wow. Well, as I said in your, your question you asked earlier, uh, I think when you work 28 years, uh, I think you get surprised. I think probably the one play I can remember that seeing Julius Irvin go behind the basket with a you know, swooping shot and go on the other end and not walk was probably the most amazing play that I've, you know, I've, I've, in my time that I've ever seen, you know, a player of that caliber would be able to do, you know. And it's a high, yeah, you still see it play. today, you know, on films, but that was truly amazing, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's one of my favorite plays of all time. Julius that's, that, yeah, that that that's amazing play, you know, and and uh, and and to see way um, uh, Gervin could shoot, you know, and Gervin he broke in the leg. If that was three pointers, no telling how many score points he would have scored. You know, he was one of the real yeah. great shooters that people don't talk about. He and Bob McAdoo, uh, who played with, he started out with the Boston, uh, with the Buffalo Braves. But McAdoo was one of the great scorers that ever lived. People don't even talk about him too much anymore. But had he been in uh, a six nine, six eleven guard forward that could really shoot, I mean, he could really shoot. You know, so. Mm-hmm. But but the game, as I said, the game of James changed now, and 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 everybody are, are good shooters. Guys are spending more time practicing shooting than they are, are ball handling and dunking. You know. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. I really do appreciate um, over the years you um, repping this game that I love. And thank you. Hey, Steve, thanks for calling, man. Don't be a stranger. We're here every Monday night on SportsFOUM, <laughs> VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, Mr. Evans, you know. The, um, the relationship with the referees and these players now, and I know we have a lot of young referees in the NBA right now, but it appears to be, I wouldn't say fragile, but it's kind of con- contentious. It's like they're almost testing the referees and pushing them to the end, pushing them to their limits. Um, but at the same time, we still have a lot of veteran referees in the league too, but we have quite a few young referees. And we have more women referees, and I think that I don't really know how that's working out. And I just want you to touch on on both of those. Well, the last part I disagree with you. I, I think the females are doing a good job. Uh, and just remember, it, it takes it takes five to six years to become a good referee, not a great referee. It takes mm-hmm. five to six years to become a good referee in the NBA. And for the females, to their defense. The game is faster, so they they have they they are in my opinion they are adopting uh, pretty good. Now, the, what was the other part of your question? Oh, the, the, uh, the conflict between referee and players. If you can go back to the bad days, by, uh, the, the, the Detroit uh, bad boys, uh, referees league made adjustments to them. Remember, uh, if you can go back that far, we had no flagrant fouls during that time. Yes, and after we after they. Put in a new rule, flagrant fouls, technical foul, two technical fouls out of the ball game. Players adjust. You will see an adjustment in the next year between referees and players. Uh, the league has a way of, of making adjustments. They will make the adjustments, and players will adapt to the adjustment. It, it's, it's always happened that way, and there was no there was no time any more difficult to referee when the bad boys was playing. But you know, you have to start putting in technical fouls. And the fines started going up, and yeah, they may increase the fines. You know, uh, I don't know exactly what they are now, but uh, they may increase them. And now, they you start taking money out of players' pocket, uh, coaches' pocket, they have a, a way of adjusting to the way the game is called. So I, I, don't, I really don't see that being a big problem. Do I see adjustments need to be made? Yes, I do. I, I and I and I would agree with you. I think the players will come around, and I and if it, they're going to be anything like it was when the Bad Boys or the Detroit Pistons were playing back in the '80s and the late '80s, um, I can only imagine how tough it was to referee those guys, Rick Mahorn and Isaiah Thomas. Uh, it was very know. difficult. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I broke in, we were a two-man system. 
So the bad boys were playing two men, two men so in that era. They was they was like beating up on people on the weak side. So that's why the NBA went to three men because referees couldn't cover the weak side, and then players and coaches knew that that we we two men system in the two man system you can cover the weak side on rebounding. So and as I said again, the league office will make an adjustment, the referees will make an adjustment, and the players will make an adjustment. Right. Hey, Mr. Evans, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more with Mr. Hugh Evans, NBA nominee for the 2018 Hall of Fame. We're talking to him here on SportsInfoUM, VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be back after these messages. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hunter participation plays a vital role in funding for wildlife management. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we'll talk about recruiting new hunters, hunter education, and so much more. Joining us is Allie and Adriana Armstrong of Grace Camel and Lease, Eva Shockey from Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, and Greg Randolph with Decked. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we got Mr. Hugh Evans on our show. Mr. Hugh Evans refereed in the NBA for 28 years. He's on our show tonight from 1972 to 2001. Welcome back, Mr. Evans. I know we can't keep you long, but, uh, man, it's a pleasure for you to be on our show. You know, we were talking earlier about about the changes that the NBA is going through, um, and, and the league just appears to get better and better to me. Um, it's one of my favorite sports to watch on television, um, and, and I would totally agree with you now that the guys are shooting better than ever 
the points are, are higher than ever. And that's one of the things that I love about the NBA is that the scoring. Uh, these guys play good defense, but they, they put the ball in the hoop, and they just can't beat it. So, Mr. Evans. Yes. When, um, when, when we look at the scoring from, in the NBA from the 80s, 90s, um, it was it was nothing like it is now, you know. And I, I I can think back at some of those some of the great scorers of the game. Um, John Havlicek was one of the guys that I always thought was a great scorer in this game. But when you compare him to the best scorer that we have now in Steph Curry, as far as shooting the ball, there is there is really no comparison at all. But and 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 how do you feel about that? The old school to new school. Uh, I, I think that there are probably 20 players who played in the old days who could play today, and I can't name them all. But, of course, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird would be one of them, and, and Havishek, as you name, would be another one. And he, I even can go all the way back to Sam Jones. If Sam Jones was playing today, he could play with the modern players. You know, uh, uh, Maybe he wouldn't have the depth of shooting that Kerry has, who, who I think I had the fortune of uh, pleasure a referee and his father, who was a great shooter, but I think Curry is a better shooter, you know, and uh, uh, because he has so much depth and, and, and it's quick release, makes him a great player. But there, there are there are, there are several players. I said that probably a dozen or more could play, you know, today. You know, and I named a few, and I probably missed a few, uh, but uh, they could play and, and be able to shoot with those guys. Yeah, and um, you know. Miss Evans, I was looking at your at at, at um at a part of some of the, some of the things I found on the internet while while um doing a little research on you, and you went to North Carolina A and T. That's um, correct. Yes. Yeah, and 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 that would have to be like in in the sixties and in North Carolina. That was, Where, uh, I, I went to school in fifty nine. Yeah, fifty nine to sixty two. Wow. I actually, I actually played with Al Adams. Uh, I was a freshman; he was a senior. By the way, one of the most best people I've ever met in my lifetime. Wow. One of the best men I've ever met in my life is Al Adams. Yeah. 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 He's a great man. He still is. Yeah. And, and with Severs, you were drafted in um, uh, 80th, 80th selection overall, 1962. I got drafted by the, by the St. Louis Hawks. And uh-huh. I also got drafted by the San Francisco Giants. And I chose baseball because you go back to, this, to that era of time, NBA teams had a quota of quota. A lot of people don't remember that, but most teams only had two to three players on, the, on black players on their team. So I thought that I had, uh, with Lenny Wilkins being on that team, Cleo Hill, who both were guards, that I would have a very difficult time making that team. Uh, so I chose to go play baseball. And, uh, uh, and baseball really was kind of my first love anyway. So I thought I had a better chance. That didn't work out, so I went back, came to social work. I went back to New York as a social worker, and that's really how I got involved in officiating. Uh, uh, I developing basketball programs for young kids, and I started officiating. And then so I said I was missing calls, and I was cheating. And so I went out and hired another group of, 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 of officials, uh, uh, the group by the name of Saboa, who was Great, great, they were great officials, you know, they, and, and they came in and officiated my games. And I actually ended up joining the association and really started developing my skills as a referee and went on to become uh, a, a pretty good referee. Wow. What a yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. Yeah, that's the version. Let me ask you a question: Do you do you do you think you ever did, did you ever regret not um, going into the NBA and, and pursuing baseball instead? Uh, no, I didn't because baseball was my first love, and uh, I'm originally from West Virginia. We played a lot of baseball uh, in, in the coal mine areas and, and, and as a young kid, and that was really my first love. And uh, uh, I remember seeing Hank Aaron uh, come through West Virginia, Bluefield, West Virginia, as a minor league player. And my uncle said to me, that man, that young man right there is going to be a major league player. And I said to myself, if he can be a major league player, I can be a major league player. But I I didn't have the talent, by no means the talent that Hank Aaron had. But it it, it was my first love. So I have no regrets choosing uh, baseball over basketball. And I guess, and I got back to basketball by, you know, by the grace of God, I got back and I have enjoyed it, you know, 28 years, you know. Wow. Hey, Mr. Evans, we got another call on the line. Okay. Reggie, what's happening? We got Mr. Evans on the line. Hey, how y'all doing? How you doing, Mr. Evans? I'm doing great. That's good. Uh, congratulations on your nominee. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank saying, you. Uh, I know, you, I know you're going to make it because I was sitting here singing and nobody can be in a, in, a, in a sport that long and not get that recognition as being in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, you were doing something right because you don't last that many years of doing something wrong. I know you're not perfect, but you, you, your positive outweighs the negative by far, and, and uh, I'm pretty sure you'll get in. So congratulations Thank you. Thank on you. that. And I, I just wanted to comment on you guys were talking about how well they're shooting the ball in, in today's game in the NBA. And I was sitting here, it's funny, I was just, yesterday I was watching ESPN and I was watching the Harlem Globetrotters. I was, I've been a Harlem Globetrotter fan since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, to watch it today is a lot different because I'm grown, but I was watching, they, they've added a four-point line and the first thing that came to my mind when I was looking at the four-point line Pretty soon in the NBA, they're going to have a four-point line. <laughs> the way these guys shoot the ball. It's, it's just funny that you guys were talking about the, uh, the amount of points that they're scoring. You know, because most games you watch, they're scoring well over 100 points. Yes, yes. And, uh, and I'm like, and it's, and it's because of the main reason, because they shoot that ball so well and the offenses that they're running, uh, you know, it's, it's allowing them to get a lot, a lot of points. Uh, compared to back in the in the uh, the eighties and the nineties and the early two thousands, and, and I'm like, man, it, it won't be long before somebody wants to add that four point line because when you look at Curry and even um, the guy from Houston uh, that came from Oklahoma, that yeah. guy can shoot the ball. I mean, you got so many guys that can shoot that ball from. I the mean, they can really shoot. <laughs> Mr. Evans grew up in the in the he went to 
college in the 50s and graduated from college in 1962 before either one of us were born. But, Miss Evans, right. you remember when the Harlem Globetrotters was like the best basketball team in the world. Oh, no, you know, they wasn't, we grew up looking at them as being a joke, and you grew up looking at them being the best team in the world. Yeah. Well, one, one of my yeah, good friends, he's passed away, Connie Hawkins, after he left the uh, uh, University of Illinois, before he got in the NBA, he went and played with the Globetrotters about three years. And you know, he, he was, it just fitted him fine because he could do things in high school that no one else could do, you know. And but it, you know it, it was it, it was it was it was it was a show game you know and people people kind of right. understood that but they had some good players though you know some good right players. exactly well Chamberlain exactly. played you have with them to have for a while. some type yeah. of skill to play that to be on the Globetrotter you have to be a uh, a special individual with that you ball have to be a special individual you know, I can go back to playing and playing ball with Curly Neal he went to Johnson C. Right. Smith and I went to NT and I was shocked when I saw him as a Globetrotter. But then he went right. out and developed his dribbling skills, and he fit right in with the Globetrotters. You know, he, he was a great showman. But wow, that's just right. to show you, if you work on your skills, you know, you can go and pretty much do just about anything you want to. As I said earlier, players now aren't working on their dunking. They're working on their shooting. And sure. Yeah, they right. They can really they shoot today. You know, big players, the centers, you know, 6'11 guys are shooting three-pointers. It's unbelievable. Right. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I would like to be refereeing you know, now because you don't have to do as much work. There's no post and play. And it's, you know, when I was doing my era, there was a lot of post play, a lot of banging. And if you couldn't handle the big boys inside and control them, your game sometimes got out of hand. You know, but I was fortunate to be able to control that you know, for, for 28 years. But it, it's a little bit easier refereeing in the NBA now because they have such great shooters versus post play during my era. You had a lot of post play. You had Mikhail. You had Robert Parrish. You had Malone, Carl Malone, playing in the post. And it was physical. You know, they, 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 it was very physical. You know, uh, Bill Lambert. Charles Barkley <laughs> played down there, Oakley. But now there's no post play, you know, and I would say none. But uh, basically the, 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 the game has opened up where, as I said earlier, if you can't shoot, you can't play in the NBA today. Right, 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 right. And that was a good point that you made about guys are working on their shot. On the shooting, yeah. You'll, you'll yeah, probably you'll probably get a yeah. you'll probably get a chance to shoot it more than you will get a chance to to actually slam dunk it, bank it. Right, Most exactly. You know, imagine now. playing with 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 uh, with Magic Johnson back in the day. If you couldn't shoot, he wasn't going to throw the ball to you. Exactly. He passed That's the ball to right. you. Right. Right. And yep. I'm sure James is the yep. same way. Give me somebody I can yeah. shoot, but I, you know, I'll pass the ball to you if you can shoot, you know. That's right. your way, and, and, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and to make another point, you look at the guy, Um, he was with uh, he's with Detroit now. He used to be with the Clippers. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Good example. Yeah. yeah. I know you're talking to Lou Williams. Coming. The big fella, yes. No, the, 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 uh, the light-skinned guy they traded oh. to Detroit. This came, yeah. Detroit from, from, came from uh, uh oh. From Doc Rivers' team, yeah, um, from the Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin, yeah, Blake yeah. Griffin. He had yeah. Yeah. Old in this group. Even in college, his game was basically you know jumping, getting the ball, A post play. Exactly. Now he's developed, and now, now he has improved his outside game. Right. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Yep. He's trying to have a dual foot range. Now he's moved out further now, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good example right there. Yeah. That, you mm-hmm. know, in order to be effective, I mean, offensively, you just can't be one-dimensional. You have very to true, be able to shoot true. that ball. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, Reggie, we got to get out of here, man. We got okay. a couple more people right, trying nice to get time. in. And, um, Reggie, don't be a stranger, man. We're here every Monday night from 8 to 9 o'clock. Okay. VoiceAmerica.com. Right, always always so, a pleasure. pleasure. Have a good night. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Reggie. Hey, hey, Miss Evans. Um, yes. You know, um, you know, Reggie makes a good point about this the four point play, and I don't. You know, it was a time when I would could have never imagined when I was watching basketball in in the seventies that we would have a three point play. You know, because back in the old days, you could you only got a three point play the hard way. You know, you yes, made right, a yeah. shot after a foul. You uh-huh. know, and. The way these guys shoot the ball now, you know, Steph Curry, he'll step across half court. You better be in his face because he get past that circle. He might just just fire it up, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and, he's, and these shooters are better and better. So is it possible that we will ever see a four-point play in a game? Or is just a, 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 something in our imagination that we'll just keep thinking about? It's possible. Uh, uh, I, I think the game... Now it's wide open, uh, it's entertaining, they score more points, and I think spectators prefer to see more points than less points. So I think if the game ever slows down, and coaches have a way of catching up with, with, with the offense, if it ever slows down and the slowing goes down, then you probably will see them go to a four-point uh, 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 line. But I don't see that no time soon. But uh, but if the game slows down and and becomes a stalemate again, they 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 will go and and move that out. And if you move it out and two or three guys hit it, just imagine how it opens up the floor. And that's that's what the three pointer's done for the NBA. You the the, the the lanes are now wide open. You can pass in the you know in the lanes. You can get you see a lot of more layups you've seen in the past. And that's because the game is open up, you know. The floor is open, and 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 it's it's entertaining. I like it. I I, I really love it. And yeah. you're right; it's it's very entertaining. Yeah, it's very you entertaining, and, yeah. and 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 it's very competitive, you know. And people, uh, guys, are playing good basketball, you know. I just hate I'm not refereeing. I probably could last another ten years by refereeing. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, because these guys yeah. shoot a, shoot a three point, and you only come a couple couple of steps across <laughs> half court, and you go a couple of steps across the other half court, yeah. and shoot another three pointer. You go, yeah. you know, come on, you're right. Like yeah, these, running everything. <laughs> these guys run half as much as you used to run um, back in the day, Mr. Evans. Come on, and especially yeah. when you only had I two referees. With, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, two guys, and now these guys. But two guys, it, it, it was like it was, it was work. That was the job, you know, man. Yeah. And you 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 end up running running about five miles a night, and that was a job. And 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 when we went to the three man system, uh, it saved ref, extended referees' career. You know, that was just really uh, part of it, and uh, extended extended players' careers. You know, and and that made it great. You know, and as a yeah. result, you know, it's it's a great league. Yeah, it is a great league. Yeah, it, it is. Really is. Yep. Hey, Mr. Evans, I know we can't keep you forever, but um, we're here every Monday night. Don't be a stranger. Give us a call sometime. I'll call in. Maybe I ask somebody else a question. 
Yeah, we have we have, okay. we have great guests on all the time. Not as good as you are, but we have uh, really good guests. I like the compliment. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, not as good as you, Mr. Evans, but we do have good guests every once in a while. I know, hey, I know, I know, yeah. Please, don't you be a stranger. Give us a call. Oh, we're not, Red, we're not, okay. And again, thanks a lot for the good hey, all thank the compliments. Hey, thank you. Take care. Okay, okay nice. Bye. Thank you. Hey, Hugh Evans, ladies and gentlemen. Man, wow. A, a living legend on our show here on Sports Info, UM, VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk about a little bit more about the NBA, a little bit more about Kirk Cousins and free agency, and a little bit more about what's going on in the world of sports, maybe even a little Olympic talk. We'll be back after these messages. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. You know, um, we just had... Hugh Evans on our show, um, probably one of the biggest guests we've ever had on our show. Um, and it was really good talking to Mr. Evans. Man, you're talking about a super nice guy, too. I mean, you know, a super nice guy. But um, And, and Mr. Evans is also an avid golfer and a, and a pretty good one at that, too. I meant to ask him about the, uh, the Bubba Watson um, winning 
winning the tournament and uh, the golf tournament and actually going to play in the uh, celebrity basketball game for the um, celebrity basketball game for the NBA All-Star Week. I thought that was kind of kind of interesting to see him, you know, do both. So, and, and Trace McGrady actually blocked his shot while he was at that All-Star game. But uh, another big event um, that happened yesterday in my area, in my community, was the Daytona 500. And, uh, and on the line with us is our Daytona man, Roland Villa, who's giving us a racing update. I know Nolan... Roland knows everything about what's going on in the world of racing and definitely what's going on in the world of NASCAR. Roland, what's happening? Hey, how you doing? I'll tell you what, the Bubba that I want to talk about, though, is Daryl Bubba Wallace Jr. and the number 43 Richard Petty car in a runner-up position in the Daytona 500. What a great run he had. First brother ever to win a winner coming second place in Daytona. Wow. Well, this is true. The highest finishing uh, African-American. Is that what I call him? I don't know. I, I hate that label <laughs> on him because he's just a doggone good driver. You know? Yeah. He's purple. He's a heck of a Hey, hey I, I understand. I understand, Roland. But when you make history, that's the only way you can make history. You know? <laughs> Come on. You got to well, make it how you can. That, I know. The other person that you like so much that made so much history, well... They had their last race yesterday, and I know you've been sad all day long. I know oh, there's tears day. in your pillow because oh, one of your favorite drivers of all time, Danica Patrick, has retired the steering wheel. <laughs> I was a little disappointed, and, I, and I'm still a little disappointed. And I'm truth. I'm telling the truth. Truthfully, I'm a little disappointed that Danica has left NASCAR. And the main reason I'm disappointed is because she did represent women in that sport. And even though she raced sort of towards the back of the pack most of the time, she was racing. And anybody that can get out there and hold a steering wheel going 190-something miles an hour, I tip my hat to them. And I, and I applaud her. And I tip my hat to her. I couldn't do that. Yeah, I know I couldn't. the boys hard. Hard. Uh, she ran you know, hard. She, her overall finish, I think... And all of her races she ever had, I think, ended up being either 23 or 24. And that's of up to 43 of the very best stock car drivers on planet Earth. So we got to give her kudos for that. But I want to point out something. Towards the end of that race yesterday, running in first place was Eric Almarola. Okay? He's, mm-hmm. He had, came from a Cuba family. His grandparents came from Cuba, and he grew up here in this country over in the Tampa area, and he was driving up front there towards the very end for the last couple few laps. What car was he driving? The number 10 car, wasn't it? And whose car did that used to be? Oh, you got me on that. Whose car was it? Patrick's car. Oh, that was Danica's old car. Number 10 for for the uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, and that just goes to prove that that car could run up front, but she didn't so that's the difference you know the writing was on the wall and it's time for her to go race her any race and then go do whatever she's going to do and we'll hope for the next female because once again you got to have two legs and two arms and a head on your shoulders 
and, and a little bit of uh, steel gut to race these cars. Yeah, I was watching a race yesterday. I was, I was watching, actually, I was watching a demolition derby, and the race broke out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's more of what it was. I take exception to Austin Dillon and the number three Richard Childress Chevrolet doing a punt and run on Eric Almarola and the number 10 Ford there towards the end. I mean, he flat ran over them. If it was Earnhardt in the number three, it probably would have been said that that's the greatest racing move ever. But I think it was a little over-aggressive. And Eric Almarola, let's give him credit for being so gracious in saying, you know, hey, that's a racing thing. He was racing for the win in the 500. You know, I, I made, might have done the same thing. So that's something else. Daryl Wallace, though, petty number 43. Uh, hold on. Hold, well, before you go any further, uh, Roland, before you go any further, yeah. uh-huh. do, you, do you think Kurt Busch or any of the Busch brothers would have handled it like he did if, if that same thing had happened to one of them? on the last lap of the Daytona 500 where they got crashed from behind by, uh, by Austin Dillon. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Can, I'm, really? Uh, do you think, can how Tom do you Brady think he throw a touchdown pass? Yes, he can. The answer to that, of course, is yes. Uh, you had Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano up top there who run really, really well. Ryan Blaney led the most amount of laps in the number 12 forties in a brand new ride for the, um, uh, Penske organization. Yeah, they were mixing it up. I'm wondering what NASCAR will do about the blocking rule because the lead car over and over again was like a pinball on a pinball machine, left and right and back and forward, you know, and, and doing things. I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not settled into that yet. You know, I and that's one of the few races, that's one of the few tracks that, Having a lead is not necessarily always to your advantage. You know, well, some tracks you can get out and way. have the lead, and you can you can actually extend your lead. If you got the lead in Daytona and it's two or three or four cars behind you, they're coming with a draft that's going to suck you up, and, and, and you're not going to be able to do anything. So I, I, I look at it like having a lead in Daytona is not always a good thing, and we saw that happen yesterday in the last lap. Yeah, well, you certainly did. We saw it in all three forms of racing. There was a great race on Friday, which was the uh, Craftsman Truck Series. The veterans, Johnny Sauter, just nosed it out by .0001 second at the, at the line over number 24, Justin Haley. And Wiley veteran Joe Nemechek in the 87 truck was third, followed by Ben Rhodes and Scott Lagacy Jr. That was a great race again, but there was a lot of attrition there. In the Xfinity race, which is on Saturday, Tyler Reddick, who is a rookie, came forward in his Chevy uh, and, and number nine car and beat out Elliott Sadler there in the end. And uh, Ryan Reed, who had a damaged car, finished third. Kaz Grala, another rookie, uh, in fourth place. And Garrett Smithley. And I know most people are saying, geez, is he reading that right? Those are names that we're just not used to, with the exception of Elliott Sadler. So... Uh, well, Ryan Reed has won there before. So, uh, you know, that was really something else. And then when you get to the Daytona race and uh, you look a little bit further down, Michael McDowell in fourth, A.J. Allmendinger, Eric Amarola, after being punted like he did, ended up finishing 11th. Then Justin Marks, Trevor Bain, who's actually won the 500, David Gilliland. Uh, you know, all these named drivers were up there, but the, 
The Alex Bowman and the 88 Dale Jr. car finishing 17th. Martin Trix Jr., Kyle Larson, uh, they were there. Uh, by the way, <clears throat> there was an Earnhardt in that race yesterday in the 40-car field. Do you know who it was? Um, zero car. Jeffrey it was a double. Earnhardt. It, it was it was Jeffrey Earnhardt was in in that yeah, car. You got it. Yeah, but and that's Earnhardt's grandson, right? Wasn't the Daytona five hundred, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. And now let me ask you a question, Roland. You know, yesterday was one of the first sellouts in, in a few years in Daytona, and we're, we're happy about that here in the state of Florida. Brings a lot of money, a lot of tourists to our state, um, but you know, when we say a sellout. When we don't have a super stretch anymore, are we really having a sellout or it's just a, a sellout now? And did they cover anything in the stadium to have a sellout and not have all the seats used? Was it a real well, sellout? It, it, it would be like not having seats uh, or having seats available at a Super Bowl. That's, this is a Super Bowl of stock car racing, and... Uh, some of the races support races leading up to it, the Truck Series, Xfinity, the Clash. Uh, there were some spaces available for people, but, you know, tickets aren't cheap anymore. And oh, no. television has gotten so good. So good. I mean, good. the coverage of the cameras and everything else, it's, uh, you know, it was perfect weather to be there, but it was uh, definitely a, a good sight on the TV. I sat in front of a big screen, you know, <laughs> the sound turned up, and and I loved it. I loved it, too. Hey, Roland, uh, before we let you get out of here, you know, this is the first year in a long time that um, that Daryl Earnhardt didn't participate in Daytona 500. He's still a young man. Um, is racing really over for Dale Earnhardt? Will we ever see him again in the Daytona 500? Will he get the itch to come back and race again in the Daytona 500? Or is this race just too grueling for him to just say, I'll step in a car in two years from now or next year and run the Daytona 500. He and his sister, Kelly, still own Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, okay, DEI, and they race in the Xfinity Series. Uh, they also have truck teams, Johnny Sauter and a 21 truck. Uh, you saw the, uh, the, in the Xfinity race, the winner of that race, who was Tyler Reddick, that is a Dale Earnhardt Jr. car. Dale is slated to run two or three races this year in the Xfinity Series. Okay. And, and I think part of what that may be is NASCAR's attempt to say, hey, you are still a big influence. Can you imagine how many people are going to be at that Xfinity race when it happens? I need to look it up to find out where they're going to be because I would suspect it would be the same weekend that they're going to have a Cup Series at the same track, and that's going to bring people. That is for sure. So, no, he's not out of it. His family's still involved in racing. He was there yesterday at the track looking very, very casual in a T-shirt and just having a really good old time. So maybe it wasn't the fact that he'd had the concussion and his wife said no more racing. Maybe it was a little bit more than that um, for his reason for not being involved as, as deep as he was. But he's going to be involved. Well, I'm sure he is going to be involved, and I, I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, of Dale Earnhardt Jr. I'm not nearly the fan I was of his father. I was a big-time Dale Earnhardt Sr. fan, and I'm, I'm just a fan of, um, of Dale Earnhardt. You know, I know um, people love him, and the women love him, and he's a big draw for NASCAR, but um, 
Ever since he took that Alabama football coach wife, I just ain't really liked him like I used to. I got to get out of here, Roland. We got to get out of here. Thanks for calling, man. Thanks for being a part of the show. Hey, we'll be back next week with more. You got it. Hey, we'll be back next week with more Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas 